So welcome everybody back to the Health Mastery Show. This is the first episode of 2022. It's crazy to think that it, it's it been three years or at least it, this is the third year of the podcast and it only seems like last week that it was 2019 when I started this and I guess that's been kind of muddled by the pandemic and lockdowns and working from home and everything like that. I'm sure everybody feels the same. But I really do appreciate everybody who's listened from the start and everybody even who listens um, sporadically or is this their first time they've listened to the podcast. I really appreciate it. It keeps me going, gives me drive to keep getting on guests and spending these hours editing and recording. And I really appreciate all the feedback that I get. And that is genuine. Today we have on a great guest. His name is Dr. Peter Tierney. And we talk all about something that I think is quite topical at the moment. And that is gadgets and wearables and how useful they are actually to the average person but also somebody who's say like an amateur or even a professional athlete so it's just gone past christmas a few weeks ago and before that it was black friday a lot of people will have these wearable devices like fitbits apple watches aura rings whoop uh, you name it there's loads of different ones and there's even more coming on the market and there's more as people get more discretionary income and technology makes these things cheaper there's more and more devices on on the market so we really dive deep into like what's actually useful because you probably have something today that reads stuff that you're not even sure what the use of that is so really interesting topic but before we get into the show i want to talk quickly about a beta program that i'm running so I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the podcast, I maybe have, but ever since I left my first degree back in 2014, I've been working in the technology industry and other than a brief period for a year or two where I went to open a gym, I've been working in that industry and during that time I've actually prepped multiple times in my natural bodybuilding as many of you all know having following the show, but I often get people reaching out to me and many of the clients that I do work with are people who work in that services, white collar industry and there's a lot of struggles that are quite unique and it's it's different than getting advice let's say from someone who's a personal trainer or is only say an online coach and that's all they do there's a lot of different things you need to navigate when you are working in a position that you either work along hours at a desk or you need to go and visit clients all the time you need to be social you need to travel etc etc so this is a program designed for people who want to get into great shape but also can't sacrifice certain things because of their job and that's obviously a priority for them as well so it's a one-to-one coaching service if you're interested just just check out the link and we need to have a call so that we can make sure this is the right program for you but also to make sure that i can actually help you as well so click that link it's in the show notes wherever you're listening to this and uh, we can have a chat but without further ado then let's get into this podcast with dr peter tierney peter thanks for coming on man well cheers for having me so this is the first uh, podcast of the new year, so appreciate you um, joining me. And we've got a really interesting conversation today. I, I saw some of your posts about wearables, and it's definitely something that I'm really interested in. I've, I've bought loads of wearables actually just before Christmas. I was thinking of buying the Aura Ring, even though it's like tr- I don't like wearing rings, and it's like, I don't know, 350 euro or something like that. But, you know, when you get this disposable income, you don't know what to be doing with it. Um, and funny story, I was actually sitting beside um, somebody I work with at, at dinner a few months ago in in London, and he had a Fitbit or an Apple Watch on one arm, and then like a Whoop on the other arm. And he was saying, "Hopefully, this gets me into shape now because like I'm just going to track my data." And the guy's like, you know, 
he's, he's overweight like what <laughs> it's just it's just funny about how people with uh you know in these days are, are spending so much money on these wearables but often don't necessarily have any impact and and we're seeing more and more things like blood glucose monitors etc so really interested to to hear your input on these today but without starting that let, let's get a bit into your background so it'll be great to hear about like where you are now and, and how you got there yeah cheers on um yeah so currently um uh, my role is a senior research scientist at lululemon so i'm in ireland right now but uh, relocating to vancouver very soon um which will be exciting so a bit of a pivot. Um, I've always been researching, but I've previously worked in sports. So most recently, for just over two years, I worked in the English Football Association um, as a sports scientist and physical performance coach. So that was a kind of a hybrid role where um, the sports science involves or included some project work that sort of influenced um, teams from seniors right the way down to 15s, men's and women's. And then a lot of delivery um, on camp when teams are playing matches or training camps. <clears throat> and then prior to that, uh, I spent five years working in Leinster Rugby as a sports scientist and sort of like assistant uh, performance coach as well. So again, a hybrid role where coaching, delivering, but also um, a good emphasis on sports science research and, and I guess technology sort of embedded within that as well. Um, and then throughout that, the last eight, nine years, or 10 years actually, sorry, um, I did my undergrad degree in UCD in health and performance science. Um, so again, maybe not as like focus. It's quite a broad degree, um, so not as focused say on either health or sports science, but a little bit of both, which is good. Um, did a master's in research then when I was working at Leinster on GPS technology, and then just finished my PhD. Well, I feel like I finished it ages ago, but I only actually graduated uh, in December. I just happened to be in person um, before this, yeah kind of restrictions and stuff which is great so i got my parents up to that which i'm very grateful for um and yeah just i guess the, the wearable of the technology stuff has always been kind of an interest of mine and, and obviously part of different roles and stuff as well so that's probably where i've i've come to now but the the health wearable stuff has definitely sort of exploded um as a result of the pandemic i think mm. and what kind of research do you do in lululemon i i've only ever well, I, I don't have much knowledge of it, just uh, you're probably aware, but I think the first store just opened in Dublin, like, well, I only saw it about a month ago. Um, I don't think it's there that long, but I, I would have just thought that was like uh, yoga pants and gym t-shirts and stuff. So um, <laughs> it'd be interesting to hear what kind of what research they do. I, I don't know, maybe they have a wearable line, something like that. Well, yeah, um, I mean, even some of my friends and stuff and, and former colleagues, when I when I told them I, I was leaving the FA and I... I taking up a position with Lululemon they said it's not just the women's leggings brand um they don't even know like there's men's clothing and apparel obviously like largely speaking yes it's an apparel company and yeah the store just opened in Dublin um I went into it before Christmas but I'm actually going in to meet um some of the staff next week um which would be good so yeah first kind of standalone store in Ireland which is nice to see um but my role is with is within the product innovation team and specifically on advanced concepts so Lululemon definitely consider um, themselves like an innovative company. And from what I've seen so far, I've only been working for them for a few weeks, but um, it definitely is that case. It's a very forward-thinking company. Um, and I guess the, the clear example, um, obviously primarily it is an apparel company, um, but the I guess the breadth or, you know, some of the newer things that Lululemon have done, they've acquired a, a digital fitness company called Mirror, which is like, as it's described, an at-home mirror. It's pretty much an invisible gym, but 
within that there's like loads of features you can do worker classes and everything else so that's definitely like a portal into um, some new avenues for lululemon and there's loads of other things as well like yeah they've you know there's there's been loads of research done on products and wearables whatever else but um a lot of there is a lot of research that goes into the apparel so it's not just um you know they don't just stick like random performance claims or labels onto different colors and say that you know oh this you know this is you should buy our our pants over this other company so it's actually like research and testing that goes into those performance claims so some of the role will be involved in doing that as well oh that's interesting uh, i mentioned to you just before we start recording well the only reason i bought them is because when i when i try and bend down in normal jeans they just end up bursting in the <laughs> in the crotch area so uh, and they're pretty comfortable so that's, i don't think necessarily gonna they're gonna improve my performance in anything but they're gonna just last me longer so um yeah so the, actually, i've read a study literally not nothing to do with lululemon but i read a research study like two days ago um which compared like cycling performance in uh in like synthetic clothing versus cotton and it did actually have a performance improvement so your clothing could actually have an impact on your performance yeah. as well <laughs> Yeah, I, I just won't be wearing them in the gym because they're supposed <laughs> to be like, uh, you know, kind of semi-formal wear. <laughs> I, I actually did see a guy, though, uh, years ago um, in the gym wearing suit pants and suit trousers or suit, suit shoes, shoes that you'd wear with a suit. He obviously forgot his, like, and their pinstripe as well. He obviously <laughs> forgot his gear. Um, I don't know if that was a performance thing. But, yeah, so on the, on the wearables, um, like I mentioned before, like I've I was considering buying like the Aura Ring. I'm wearing a fit one of the Fitbits now, which I've always used. I have a I have a what are they called the Polar uh, chest straps. Um, I've got a lot, I've got a lot of a lot of other stuff that I've bought. Um, but really, this is the only one that I actually use. But well, what what is on the market today, and and like what are the most popular ones? So so many, and like honestly, every week. I seem to come across like a new wearable or like a new company that, that produces a wearable or claims something. So tons of stuff. Um, the most common ones are probably like, well, your smartwatch is probably the most common one. So you've listed a few there, but like Apple Watch, Fitbit are definitely um, like two of the most popular that, that I've experienced and seen um, a lot of like friends and colleagues and network that use. Um, I'm currently using an Apple Watch. One predominantly as a watch um there's a lot of functionality between it and my iphone so it makes life a bit easier for sure um and secondly yeah as an activity tracker so um you know there's a lot of these that do collect a lot of information that aren't necessarily validated the apple watch for heart rate anyway and, and movement from what i've seen um is quite accurate um so that's that's what i'm using during the day uh, i do have an aura ring as well so I wear that just at night time. I do wear it during the day sometimes, but it's it's mostly just a sleep tracker for me. But yeah, there's like tons of other things. Like your phone, to be honest, is actually probably one of the best wearables that a lot of people have that maybe don't even utilize fully. So this, I mean, it's actually scary the amount of activity and health data that your iPhone collects on you. If, if you click into Apple Health and just scroll through all data, um, you kind of get a bit overwhelmed at like a lot of the stuff that it collects. But you even touched on it as well, like, there's some continuous glucose monitors that are starting to come out. Um, I've seen some sweat sensors that are that are measuring like sweat and hydration levels. Um, I think there's probably it's, it's going to reach a point where it's not necessarily like the data that they're collecting. Well, one they'll improve the accuracy, but it's like what what you do with it. So I think the next sort of like line of things will either be wearable companies 
putting more money and effort into like the behavioral aspects and actions off the back of it as opposed to just collecting the data because like you said about the person you met um, in London like you can buy all these things and put them on but if you don't do anything with them or like change behaviors or you know make a plan to improve anything like fair enough you're collecting data but like you're not doing anything with it so it's a bit a little bit pointless um mm. so there yeah like there's some like initial thoughts on it but like most of the what they measure is reasonably similar across like different brands or different technologies like most of them have an accelerometer that measure movement so i.e count steps um, most of them are collecting heart rate data whether that's uh, 24-7 like Whoop does or whether it's overnight like an aura ring or whether it's kind of sporadically throughout the day or just during exercise and um, so they, they'd be two of the most kind of common variables that a lot of people measure mm. so one of the ones that I or some of the ones that I've seen recently um, because I was actually going to upgrade this watch because my, my previous one broke and I could either just replace it because it was in warranty or get like a voucher to put towards a new one and the newer ones tracked uh, your oxygen levels or SPO2 and like I think they they may have tracked heart rate variants as well which this doesn't um, so I'm wondering like what about those things are they are they useful for the average person are they useful for athletes even i like i know that there's other apps that can or other tools that can track those things and a lot of the new wearables or say updated versions of wearables will start to add they basically just add, start adding more features obviously like you mentioned they're fine-tuning the accuracy of the current things that they measure but then they're starting to add all these extra things like i've never seen an spo2 monitor before I, I i saw one at the start of covid because people were using their fingers to measure the oxygen levels to see if their lungs are still functioning yeah. um but how useful are, are those two things yeah like and sorry hrv is, a, is definitely more commonly um measured one now um like aura ring whoop are, are claiming to measure hrv there's also like there's a phone camera app that measures that and has been validated so that's quite a good that's pretty worth mentioning hrv for training is the app mm. which you can use that in the morning um and there's other things as well like there's body temperature which is which is one and respiratory rate rate and one of the other things apart from which we can talk about more like in terms of why you'd use a wearable but some of these variables have um, come up as detecting like illness and in some cases, yes, COVID as well. So it's not to say it's going to predict everything perfectly or whatever else, but certainly temperature and respiratory rate are two that I've seen a lot of people and there is some research that's been published um, when they've changed significantly, they usually flag or, or, concur, or sort of occur um, with like an illness such as COVID. Mm. So that can be another use of them as well. Yeah. And, like I've always been, I'm, I'm quite skeptical, um, just in general. Um, and obviously as, as you know yourself, you've done a PhD when you, when you do kind of, when you're involved in research, whether that be masters or, or whatever, a PhD or, or, or different, you, you do have to have some sort of healthy skepticism. And I like, like this morning, for example, I have been, haven't been drinking coffee for like a few weeks trying to cut down the caffeine massively but this morning i woke up really early went to the gym and i don't know why but i had two coffees i had a double coffee and um i got home from the gym and obviously it takes a while for the caffeine to kind of hit peak levels in your blood and i just felt very very anxious but i could like i probably could have looked at my watch and seen that my heart rate was up but i 
could feel anxious. Um, so like, and then I like just did some breathing to just kind of relax and it was fine. Um, but the same goes for like, you know, if I had a tool that told me that like, okay, now you're hungry. Um, I don't need to know if I'm hungry or I don't really need to know if I'm thirsty. Maybe that's just me, but what are your thoughts on, on these things that are telling us stuff that our body, which is an amazing organism is, is actually finely in tune to do and has evolved over, I don't know how many years humans have been around hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. Like I, I kind of hear people or talk with this a, a bit, like, I don't, I don't think these like wearables or this data is here necessarily to replace like mm. you feel like in, in terms of like hunger or like anxiety or sleepiness or whatever it is, but it's certainly there like as well as, um, and mm. like a lot of people compare, say your subjective feel of whatever variable to an objective measure from a wearable, but they're not necessarily always supposed to correspond. And that's where some of the wearables can have a benefit. Like, for example, if you're training and you, you're consistent in your training, you train four days a week, um, you're very like rigid in your routine or whatever else, so you know, okay, like today's a high training day, tomorrow's a rest day, whatever else. But some of the wearables then, like you, you'll, so you'll know like you have to recover today, tomorrow after today's session, and then you'll train again in two days' time. But some of the wearables then can detect stress from outside of training, which is something that some people maybe don't consider as much. Um, so that could be like, family stress relationship stress work stress which you know people get very good particularly people that go to the gym a lot at even just self-quantifying like gym stress so you know okay you, if today was i don't know what's you doing in the gym today like lower body you, you, you did like five sets of squat deadlift whatever it is and you know what your stress is from that day but sometimes you may not think about the stress from other parts of the day even if you're presenting or something that can be a bit of stress on you so they don't always necessarily have to align in terms of what you feel and what objective data there is um but i would i wouldn't replace one of the other i use I'd, I'd consider both of them and sorry one more point on that is sometimes people um get a bit bogged down and like trying to make a change very very quickly with mm. so that you so you know it'll be like <laughs> the one i hear all the time is like oh like uh, to sleep better like take magnesium and nothing that doesn't support sleep but like like people take something once and then expect it to like fix all of their problems like immediately and then they look at their wearable data the next day and they're like oh this doesn't change anything i'm like yeah well like give it a few months <laughs> make, yeah, make yeah. some new changes and it's the same with health you know hrv resting heart anything like that it's same progress in the gym like you don't do one session and come back and expect to be you know like five times stronger so it's, it's trying to take a longer term view with with all of this stuff yeah, I, I do. Under, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from there. Like, um, like I've definitely read some research on on external stress. I think the, w one or two of the papers were around students doing their final exams, and they weren't able to recover as well when they were doing uh, exams during the exam period. So, obviously, if you knew about this and you knew how to program your training and all of these things, and I, I coach people, so that's helpful. Um, that you you know you might do less volume in the gym next if if you looked at your thing and said oh my readiness score is like it's I don't I don't know if it's high or low is good but anyway it's not good um you know maybe I'll reduce my volume but even very intelligent people they're not not necessarily data scientists or, or know that like okay because of this I need to do this and and when you do get these devices they don't often tell you like okay if your stress is high then perhaps you should um, reduce your training volume or maybe they do um what are your kind of thoughts on that because obviously like you said a lot of data if you if you don't know how to interpret and then make use of that data is it is it any useful 
Yeah, like some of these, like a lot of apps do send like messaging or, you know, if, if you wake up with whatever resting heart rate, it sort of suggests your status. Um, yeah. Some of those are kind of like pre-programmed and sort of make some pretty large assumptions. Some say they're you shouldn't, wrong. Shouldn't, shouldn't drank that half bottle of vodka last night. <laughs> yeah, or like, you know, sometimes, yeah, like if, if your HRV is increased, you know, some of these some of these apps and wearables are saying, oh, like you're primed to train. And that's happened to me before, but that happened to me like after, you know, a night of drinking and I was like, I'm not training today. So like, yeah, yeah. I think um, what really people should consider, and I've seen and I've spoken to some companies and services and stuff that are doing this is... Um, getting coach or like behavior guidance alongside the wearable data. So people buy these devices, but like there's, there's nuances to interpreting every bit of data that comes with them and what to do with it and where to go with it. So I think the future of, or even the current the present and the future of these isn't necessarily like more wearables or different devices. It's like the wearables plus the coaching. So like if, if you like, I don't know. Yeah. You wouldn't, somebody gave a good example it was like you wouldn't you know you're not going to buy like a, if you're if you're going to get a scan like you need a, an expert to like to read the scan and to to figure out what like the scan has taken it's the same as like wearables and stuff you need somebody who knows what stress is and mm. and what the different variables actually represent so i think yeah like getting a coach so if you're if you're going to get a wearable i would also consider getting a coach with it so that they can help mm. you interpret it as well yeah that, that's a that's a big increase in in price versus just getting <laughs> yeah. the wearable by itself um before we kind of go on to like what ones you think are perhaps useful for for people what are your thoughts on glucose continuous glucose monitors because i i have heard them obviously they, they have a they've used in clinical settings um i I've, i know diabetics of type 1 diabetics my family of friends who are type 1 diabetic often obviously they haven't had those before but they, they kind of know when they when they're low or whatever or high but but obviously that's a bit more accurate but then you start to see it roll over into the mainstream where it's like oh you have to have your glucose like you know if your glucose is out of whack or something um you know that's not not good but like obviously if you're going to eat a bag of jelly beans your glucose levels are going to go up and if you fast they're going to go down like it's just it's just normal but people get obsessed about being perfect and that their body isn't this resilient organism that can can actually control um, inputs and has a lot of homeostasis processes so what are your thoughts on that and and even then within sports as well because i i do believe that i think even leinster may have been using them for a while the um yeah so things glucose monitors i've i've used two um over the last like two years maybe um out of interest like i'm not to my knowledge i'm not like diabetic so it's it wasn't like a prescribed thing to me but it was out of interest um and i i spoke to dan davy he used one a good few years ago um himself like personally um there wasn't something that guys in leinster used to my knowledge anyway when i was there or i i don't i don't believe that they are at the moment but the continuous glucose monitors um I think can be useful in certain situations um, to understand your response to certain foods because whilst yes we understand that like if you ate some jelly babies that your blood sugar is going to spike some different foods can respond very differently to different individuals and I think there was a study I can't remember exactly I think it was they got people to eat uh, like a banana on toast or something and the response it was a large enough group was different in like every single person 
So understanding your own response to certain foods can definitely be useful. The continuous glucose monitors don't measure blood glucose. They measure glucose in like interstitial fluids. So there's like a delay in it as well. So like it won't be as, <clears throat> it'll, it'll lag behind it like a finger prick, that sort of like standard measure. But what I find really useful on them is um, like relative changes. Um, so like your blood glucose can increase during exercise, during stress, or obviously in response to food. And what I definitely found was like, if if food wasn't if my meals weren't well balanced so elements of protein and fat with carbohydrates of course that resulted in a, an increase in, in blood glucose but i've read some stuff and from my own like experience using them that you can mitigate or reduce that spike or response and actually dan davy who we, we were actually just chatting with before um he did a post on instagram i think about blood glucose levels and trying to stabilize them and and focusing on eating like well-balanced meals but the reason for that that he was describing was um to avoid those sort of peaks and troughs of energy levels so obviously if if you eat a very high carbohydrate meal uh, it's going to spike your blood sugars but it's also like really quickly but it's also going to rapidly drop them afterwards Mm. and that rebound like low energy and low Mm. focus so trying to avoid those is definitely useful but some of the strategies that you can do one I think I said this to him as well, like prevent those big spikes by eating well-balanced meals. But if you do have those, you can, you can reduce that spike by going for a walk after you eat. And I actually read some research as well. You can ingest some like lemon juice and vinegar and stuff and um, acidic foods and, and liquids can help reducing that. So I know, sorry, that's probably gone slightly off the wearable side of things, but I think it was important to, to speak mm. about those. But yeah, like I think they can be useful. I don't think you should be wearing a continuous glucose monitor every day for the rest of your life but certainly as a check-in so um, the sensors usually last 14 days so I, I i've done that twice over the last two years just out of interest uh, to see like my response to certain foods to um to if i walk after a meal to to different situations so you know i'll, I'll probably use it sporadically over the next couple of years but certainly not as as a as a daily thing yeah and if you were trying to use that data to infer then how you feel or if that's the reason why you're using it because this because i want to feel a certain way or don't want to feel a certain way as in i want to feel foggy brain foggy or or low energy surely then you could just actually cut that data tracking out and say okay i ate uh two packs of basmati rice for lunch and i felt very tired then afterwards so i won't do that again rather than saying oh my blood sugar's up or else like I, I know I, I get what you mean you, you and people have done this for years where they've tracked foods when they had foods that kind of cause gut issues or other issues they'll like make a food log and say okay I ate that so probably shouldn't do that again I guess this is just going a bit more in detail and giving you some physiological feedback rather than actually just subjective feedback yeah yeah and yeah, yeah like start like I wouldn't start with a glucose monitor <laughs> definitely not I would definitely start with like get a pen and paper like you say and write down a few things like one write down like what your goal is if it is like, because you can, like, a lot of these wearables, like, they fit different purposes, but you have to actually establish, like, what you want to achieve or what you want to, what your goal is. So if your goal is to avoid energy slumps, like, have a look at what, yeah, you do during the day. Write it down, like, write out your schedule. And, like, I say to some people as well, like, if it's, a lot of people feel that kind of slump after lunch. I'm like, instead of trying to go for, like, a coffee, you, if you do go for a little stroll after lunch, see how that makes you feel. Right down the neck, you know. So there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely more simple um, solutions to think about before jumping onto like a wearable, like a continuous glucose monitor. But in some instances, it can be a useful sort of objective measure. Mm, yeah, I like. I remember 
when I used to be in in the office, people would there would be like a, a food trucks on a certain day, and people would like the food literally like weigh two kilos, and it would probably be about two and a half thousand calories of like whatever food it was, like barbecue or paella or something, and then like people would be falling asleep, <laughs> like, and they just lashing the coffees instant to try and uh to try and stay awake whereas they like they probably could have well one eaten a little bit less but also just took a bit of a stroll around rather than just go straight back and sit down um yeah and and another one that i I noticed recently i think i mentioned over email was and you said you had some experience with um like the gps tracking where they're selling that in like one of the sports shops uh it's not even a sports shop it's a clothing shop but like um and that seems to be getting popular as the gps trackers and i did listen to a podcast a while ago with um Shane Malone from the Dublin team who does the sports science there. He's actually in my school um, in my year. But um, he was saying like getting people like if, if if players think they need to get their, their running up, they might just start running extra, but it doesn't actually have any meaningful difference in the game at all. They just want to get their score up. Um, so I, I think like that could be very, not dangerous, but, you know, a waste of time where a lot of people, if they don't know what they're doing with that data, they can actually just, you know, they can be trying to get players to do certain things when they don't actually need to. Um, they don't need to. It doesn't actually help them win the game. This is what they're trying to do. Um, but yeah, so with, with regards to actual useful um, wearables, because it's it's now January, people are on the health buzz the same way they are every January. But what what would actually be useful for them, for the average person, and then maybe somebody who's like say an amateur athlete, like what's actually useful for them to be to be tracking. Yeah. Well, sorry. One thing on the GPS before we get into that as well, like, because I've done a lot of research on this in like previous roles. I'm a PhD as well. Um, that definitely probably started off, like you said, the skepticism around technology and stuff. Like, you know, there's there's one every um, piece of technology promises, you know, like a hundred different things, and then you have to go through this process of like seeing if it's actually accurate or not. So I've done a lot of work on GPS, and yeah, like I've seen the consumer. I've actually tried the consumer unit. Um, myself but yeah like it's it's only for like a very specific need and and, and in, in that instance i definitely think someone needs to actually interpret the information for you because something telling you that you ran more within the like may not mean anything in the context of the sport that you're actually performing or competing in so yeah that's definitely one where i think you need someone to to help you interpret as opposed to just getting it and saying oh yeah i've i sprinted more i ran i covered more distance or yeah. whatever else but we lost four now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh, know they can be useful that's not to, that's not to like disregard them at yeah, all yeah. but like definitely in in certain circumstances with with the right kind of guidance um in terms of yeah like what so then your question was like what wearables are useful like i think that it completely depends on your goals like and and you probably if you if you send your coaches to people now like you'll probably have different people coming to you with different goals. Like if, for example, if someone just wants to like increase their activity levels, like, okay, one, it's probably trying to map out a bit of a plan to do that and then trying to define what it actually is. But your phone is probably enough for that. So if, if someone's very sedentary and they need to improve their activity levels, keep their phone in the pocket the whole day and like, you know, assess number of steps and then, put in place a plan or a training program, whatever it is, and then assess it throughout that and then at the end of it and see if you made any change. And that that's like the most, say, basic element of it. But it, it does completely de- like depend. If it's someone wants to improve their sleep and, you know, again, it start with basics or like a pen and paper, write down 
what time you go to bed, what time you get up in the morning and have it like mm. have a look at your sleep consistency and try nail down those basics first. Some of the where yeah. can give Just, you some insight. Um before you Yeah, before you before you move on to the next ones, I think like well, they're pretty much the only two that I ask uh, clients that I work with to track. But I think even I have friends that like have loaded tech gadgets and like they, I, I know for a fact they don't get enough steps because they work from home. And like there's a there's some sort of gamification when you have a step counter on your on your wrist because I had hadn't got one for about two months because mine broke mm-hmm. and I found that like I just wasn't walking as much. I knew consciously that I wasn't, but when you see like okay, I've got a goal, I give myself a goal like ten thousand. It's quite arbitrary, but gets me out about three times a day. And I like if I'm not on that, I will go for a walk even if it's like kind of raining and stuff. Whereas if it, if I didn't have one, I probably wouldn't. Um, and, that, and that's, that's a really positive like mm-hmm. um, I think that's a positive like response from some of the wearables and like that the Apple Watch is really good for that because one. It encourages you to, it gives you a step count, but encourages you to move like every hour. So if you're like stationary for 50 minutes at like, say like 10 to whatever time it is now, yeah, like probably about now, like it'll buzz you to say, oh, look, you need to stand up and move around a little bit. Um, And definitely like, I know people argue about like this 10,000 arbitrary number and like, it's great to set a goal. It's perfect. But there's loads of evidence for like, you know, higher daily step counts. Mortality, mortality risk and so many different things so whether it's an arbitrary number and like i think you do need to set some sort of goal for yourself or target but like definitely in steps up to a certain point like 15 16,000, like more is definitely better so like move around as much mm. as you can mm. and then yeah what, what about these other say more fancy uh things like i, I suppose the next most popular one that's on these devices is heart rate variance heart rate um and then maybe some others like spo2 we kind of talked touched a bit about um glucose continuous glucose monitors already but what about those other ones yeah so these devices or softwares that are assessing like heart rate and and heart rate variability can be really useful Uh, but again there's really like definitely nuances to interpreting so it's not as simple as like my hrv is high today i'm going to train all out or my hrv is slightly lower tomorrow i'm going to take a rest day and these are the kind of things that you need to take in consideration for like medium and longer term. Um, like you can still train when your HRV is lower than your normal. Um, your recovery from it might be slightly hampered or, or delayed for a bit of time afterwards. But in in like it's been reported in a lot of literature that a lot of people on competition day report a lower HRV, and that can be from like competition anxiety or. Um, alertness going into competition so it's not necessarily a bad it doesn't you know it's not going to stop people performing to their peak and even in some like strength based like weightlifting powerlifting um athletes that can be like completely you know like the perception that a higher hrv is better is, is can be like very confusing um so some of those yeah can be like a little bit conflicting in terms of, like messaging and stuff and there's some days where you still need to train and you know like if if you if you have a training plan you almost need to go against some of the wearable data and stuff but um yeah. some of them that measure like one of the key things i guess for those is measuring consistently so i actually think i had um i had an exact uh, situation where a client like that where he's like i'm not recovered 100% yet between the two sessions and i was like well well that's not necessarily the goal is to be always 100 percent recovered because otherwise we just won't train ever and then you'll be always recovered you know yeah. so that's where you can yeah. kind of and also like that's pretty that's probably the benefit of having a coach because you're saying well like you're committing to me for a six month plan like it's 
it, it's you're not trying to like improve health in two days it's mm. you're trying to make progress across a longer term so that's where like yeah some of the having a coach can actually be very beneficial to keep you on track for like the medium to long term as opposed to trying to address everything in in one or two days um but so yeah the one of the key things with any of these is just like being consistent with measuring um so that after mentioned like taking a measurement every morning at the same or like the same time when you wake up without you know drinking coffee before or without doing whatever else that's so would you suggest like sorry to cut across you there but just on the hrv one like because that's i would say that's probably the the one that most commonly available now and what most people actually pay attention to um other than say your steps so would you how would say somebody who's like they go to the gym and they're also trying to like be as healthy as they can but they still work and stuff like that they're not like an elite athlete but maybe they're a kind of amateur athlete how would you use hrv data because obviously you said like if you have a coffee some days like that might affect your score or if you have stay up really late but you said always also it's not always the goal to be getting as low as or getting as high as possible so how would you interpret that for somebody trying to look at that data yeah so well one like it so being consistent with how they measure it so whether it's from an aura ring or um or whether it's like a morning reading just being consistent using the same one the same measurement and just assessing that longer term and then the the primary thing i think is assessing um like data points that are really outside of your normal range so for example if you, even for resting heart rate for example the same nature if your resting heart rate is 50 beats per minute and obviously every day you'll have some variance maybe plus or plus or minus two beats per minute three beats per minute if you all of a sudden one day have a resting heart rate whether it's through an aura ring or an apple watch overnight of 60 beats per minute it's probably something to like flag and say okay well like why is that now if you had like you said earlier on half a bottle of vodka I haven't had that in a long time <laughs> like obviously then you can identify the cause of that but for example if your heart rate increases by 10 beats per minute in that case and you didn't drink the night before and you like you didn't do anything that you can identify well then that's probably something okay like i need to maybe keep an eye like is is that sign of an illness coming on? Is that is that stress from something else that isn't training? That's like yeah, like elevating my heart rate. So it's the same with HRV. It's so it's things really far outside of your sort of normal range, and that that'd be what I would look at. And also, there is some comparative or normative data for you know age groups and stuff, which you can sort of compare from a heart rate perspective. Definitely, HRV can be a little bit more influenced from like genetics and it can be very individualized but um you can compare yourself to normative data so if you're a 30 year old um there's a range of heart rate that you know you, you should be yeah. in for a healthy range so they'd be the two or three kind of key principles i think yeah imagine having a meeting with your manager and be like sorry my hrv was elevated because of you yesterday so i'm not going to be doing this work <laughs> that'd be quite funny that'd be the um, but what about um the other ones then other measurements like uh you you mentioned kind of the res respiratory rate and oxygen levels are, are these any use for the average person i guess a lot of these probably tie in again to your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system so they probably when one goes up they probably a lot of them go up right yeah the, yeah the spo2 one is one i definitely want to read a bit more about i feel i've seen a lot of people talking about it and i understand what it is but in terms of utility like for the most part i think spo2 readings are you know between 95 and 100 percent of like blood oxygen levels so um 
yeah, definitely want to explore that one a little bit more myself. Um, and like, say, for example, the Aura Ring, the newer generation one, they've, they're going to introduce that this year. So I think you'll start to see a bit more data collected and then people trying to understand it a bit better. Uh, the respiratory rate is definitely one that um, I've seen, yeah, like a lot of people reporting from Whoop and Aura that that's increased um, with like a positive COVID case or an illness. Mm-hmm. So a respiratory, it makes sense. I mean, like a respiratory illness increases your respiratory rate. Um, mm-hmm. And that's usually a metric that's quite stable. So certainly in that case, like again, there's tons of examples you can see online. Um, if your respiratory rate is 15 beats, there are breaths per minute, breath per minute normally, and it jumps to 17. Well, there's some sort of stress on your respiratory system that you maybe need to consider. And yeah, like this, it's, it's never going to be perfect. It's not going to detect every single illness or whatever else. But it certainly is like a case where changes in respiratory rate and body temperature um, and HRV and resting heart rate can certainly potentially flag illness, um, which I think is a really good use. So whether you look at your data like obsessively every morning or not, um, from a wearable, like the illness detection one is, is definitely one that like a benefit that I see that's sort of yeah been highlighted over the last two years for sure. Mm, yeah, uh, uh, like in a utopian world, there'll be like uh, one that measures your body weight and your body fat level increase and everything, and then like only dispenses a certain amount of calories for you and <laughs> makes you do a certain amount of exercise. Maybe, maybe in the metaverse, who knows? But at that point, probably be all just on the couch anyway, obese, <laughs> pretending we're in shape. So, um, yeah, it's been great to have you on, Peter. Uh, let us know a little bit more about like what you're up to and where can people find more about you? Yeah, um, well, yeah, at the moment, just kind of working in the new job, getting settled in, and then I'll be relocating pretty soon. Um, so that's going to be a bit of... Uh, I take a bit of getting used to, um, and then even just researching what, uh, like, kind of what I'm doing at the moment, like, just kind of reading and researching a lot of things around health um, and some wearable stuff. So I try to share some of that on social media. Like, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, um, so just kind of starting to share some more stuff on that now. Like, I wouldn't say I've been very active um, in the last couple of years, but um, certainly trying to share a bit more stuff because I'm learning tons from it myself as well. So mm. hopefully, if I if I learn something or find something useful that know somebody else does as well so i'm on i'm on both of those and, and what are your handles on those uh i think i'm dr peter tierney on instagram and then twitter is peter tierney 93 i'll share them all in the in the show notes anyway but yeah. thanks a lot peter good to have you on yeah cheers adam thanks for thanks for the advice